Hello, and welcome to Reading Between the Wines, our second podcast of the series. We're very excited today to be here at the Happy Place Next Door in Darlington, which is um, associated with a pasta shop, which is a really popular little shop on Woodlands Road here. And this is the Happy Place Next Door. It's available for private dining and pasta making lessons and everything. And we're really thrilled to be here. I'm here with Jen. Hello. And Cassie. Hello. And today we're going to be looking at uh, this month's book, Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmut. Garmus. <laughs> Bonnie Garmut. <laughs> Fluffed it already. <laughs> um, and we have paired this with a lovely wine. Jen, what are we drinking? So this was really difficult. So as you know from last time, trying to pair a wine with a book is quite challenging. So I have to kind of pick an element and go with that. So I've picked the character, the main character, Elizabeth, and I've tried to pair a wine that I think matches her personality. So I wanted to go for something Californian because the book is set in California, so I felt like that's the best place to start. Building on that, I wanted something that wasn't typical, that wasn't just not something that naturally grows there, that's not, not, not like what you would normally expect to find from California. So we've gone with a Martha Stoneman wine, and it's called Post-Flirtation Wine. Um, we will put the details on for anyone that wants to buy it. And I actually got this from 14 Drops um, in Yarm, a lovely little wine shop. They ordered it in for me, but, you know, they do have a big variety of wines as well. Um, so this is a blend. I wanted something that was a little bit bonkers. I'm going to go, that's the word that I've come up with for this wine. It's bonkers. So we've got... 75% Columbard, which is the main grape. Then we've got some Marsan, Roussan, and Muscat Blanc. So typically, those last three wines, and actually the first one, the grape varieties, are fairly French. So you would expect to find them in France. Um, California is obviously known for things like Chardonnay, Zinfandel, mm-hmm. um, as, as like the typical wines the stuff there. that you would recognise. Yeah. So I wanted to just find something a bit off the beaten track. Um, I think they only produced 500 cases of this wine, so it's not something that's mass-produced, it's organic. Um, A lot of love and care goes into this. And in terms of, actually I'm going to save the tasting notes for when we try it with the food, I think that's probably better, and then we can get a real feel for it. I thought the wine, rather than bonkers, is a unique personality, a bit like the main character of our book, Mm. Elizabeth Zott. It's definitely unique. Unique mm-hmm. and, yeah, a little bit different. Yeah. It stands out from the crowd. And, you know, when they've made this wine, they've come up with something unique, different, and exactly that standing out from yeah. from the rest of, of the it's more common taste, varieties. It's very nice on first taste. Yes, yeah, so we're really having easy, a, easy to raising a little glass to calm our nerves before we start. <laughs> so it is, it is a lovely drop, but we'll maybe go back to that later. Um, our previous episode... Um, Recorded at Sorty Darlington is available on Spotify and Podbean and all the other podcast platforms. Um, we do have a Reading Between the Wines Facebook group, which is a private group, and um, we're hoping to build our members. It's already got um, a lively discussion in there, and that's Reading Between the Wines pod- podcast. And our Instagram is at Reading Between the Wines. Um, and just to warn you, there may be some spoilers for this month's read. Uh, lessons in chemistry if you haven't read it yet some of our listeners have already read that this month but we're going to try and keep that to a minimum so 
possibly will let you know if we're going to reveal anything yeah, we shouldn't it's be. It's tricky, isn't it? It's but tricky I've tried to, find to not the balance. add too much detail and it just, in case you haven't picked the book up yet, you can still join in the discussion, but it won't spoil it too much if you want to read it at a later date. Do you want to talk about lessons in chemistry? I certainly do want to talk about lessons in chemistry. Um, so, yes, I first had seen this book um, online. A lot of people had been discussing it. It's not something I would have normally maybe picked up because I think by the cover as lovely and bright as it is, um, it looks a bit too like a girly read for me and I would have probably rejected it. But I am very glad I didn't reject it because um, what a great book it is. Um, and certainly, it, you know, everybody who's joined in seems to have been very positive about it, which is great, which is also not, you know, if, if somebody wasn't positive about it, that's also great because it makes for a good discussion. But I think for the most part, people have fed back to us that they've really liked it, which is great. So Lessons in Chemistry um, follows a wonderful character, a wonderful eccentric character called Elizabeth Zott. She's a one-of-a-kind scientist in 1960s California whose career takes a bit of a detour when she becomes the unlikely star of a beloved TV cooking show. So not your typical plot. Um, and it's really um, her story of her family, how she meets um, Calvin Evans, who is like a lonely Nobel Prize nominated grudge holder. Strange description for a character, <laughs> but I think that is the truth. And he falls in love with her mind. And it's kind of her, it's like following her journey of being a presenter of this show called Supper at Six, which has an audience of typical 1950s and 60s housewives. And it's about how she not only teaches them to cook, but she also dares them to kind of change the status quo. Because these are, of course, times where, you know, women had more typical roles and there was a lot of competition with, with men. And um, they sometimes have these subservient roles. And she's kind of trying to teach them that they're intelligent enough to learn cookery in a scientific way. Um, and basically to have the confidence to, to do that and kind of you know, um, raise the game really um, up against the men that are dominating their lives in that in that time. She kind of unintentionally does it, doesn't she? Because she's sort of just a, a really um, strong character who believes in herself, and mm -hmm. she just sort of won't take no for an answer in what she's doing. So it's almost as if she can't help herself she's not going on this feminist journey she, she just is who she is and it just sort of takes her along that path. flawed character which i think is why you do fall in love with her she struggles to connect to people she's not your typical heroine she just you know she's had a strange background herself which you'll read about and then she connects with this other person and yeah she's just all the way through is kind of rooting for her but she yeah she has good and bad sides to her she's not yeah. perfect in it's any a way they're just... really well written characters yeah, in the book absolutely. aren't they everybody absolutely. has their sort of faults and their positive sides that you can sort of get hold of <clears throat> I, I have a favorite character and that's the dog oh, <laughs> 6.30 the, the dog is amazing he's got fabulous he's got a big role in a big role yeah he's like a human character mm -hmm. isn't he comes yeah. to life my little fun fact that I've discovered today is that he's based on Bonnie Garmus's own dog um, called Friday, who oh, wow. um, they rescued, and apparently she was a yeah an, an incredible spirit. And they moved to Switzerland at one time, and she said she was talking to the dog in German, and the dog understood the German, <laughs> was kind of looking at her as if to say, "Well, what? You know, there's more going on inside this mind." <laughs> I have also read a bit about that and I think that what was amazing about that was yeah she rescued this dog and they didn't have any hopes for the dog yeah. and actually ended up being super intelligent so I think it kind of goes with some of the themes in the book of like 
um, just people being underestimated. Yes, it's the underdog. Yeah, yeah. 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 The underdog. it is the underdog. It's <laughs> a perfect example, and he's actually one of the most wisest characters in the book, which brings a lot to the plot line. And he is trying to understand the characters around him and how that his owners don't always make a lot of sense, but he's you know, yeah, kind of thinking about that. It's quite I think there needs to be a spin-off um, 6.30 <laughs> book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I would read that. He would buy that. And some of the other characters in the book as well. I mean, well, all of them are just wonderful. I mean, like you said, her love interest, Calvin, he's, he's um, a cranky like not always lovable mm. character isn't he but she he just sort of innately believes in her and gives her the space to yeah. to be who she is um and I think a lot of the male characters in the book although you would probably come away from it thinking it was a feminist book it's not mm. anti-male in any way there's there's only one character in the book who's kind of irredeemably nasty. But the other male character is her friend Walter Pine and he's um, a divorced single dad mm. and he's actually it's pretty unusual of that yeah, time. Like, but he's kind of like a held back by the sort of patriarchal mm. expectations on him as well. He's yeah. like sort of not your typical masculine man. And how do you said about that character? Because I kind of, I'd kind of temporarily forgotten about him. And actually, yeah, he, there's all these men who are kind of some have traditional roles, but actually, yes, he's one that's really different. And so there's another man in the rowing club as well, isn't there? Who mm. just sort of says, "Oh, come and row with us," and yeah, the, yeah, this, like kind of expectations. Like in well, the time, just, you don't know. it's kind of uplifting that people. Mm in the book do care about each other so yeah. much I, oh, I yeah. found it really uplifting and quite unlikely friendships think yeah. people that you wouldn't put together like you know the woman who lives across the road who ends up mm. being Harriet who ends up being a key part of, yeah. of the book as well and they need each other don't they Harriet and um, Elizabeth Sott <laughs> such a I have to say Elizabeth the whole and who thing can Elizabeth forget, like just a daughter as well who's mm. yeah I just love her. Mads she's, needs she's a book great. all of her own, doesn't she? Yeah, she's, absolutely. Uh, I wonder what's going to happen with her like going on. You, know, you do wonder what she would do. I hope Bonnie Garmus sort of does some more books. Mm. I would definitely read more books. Yeah. I a, kind of think each character could have their own book. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> they, strong. they were that good, mm. weren't they, the characters? Very yeah, strong absolutely. characters. It's difficult to sometimes discuss a book that's so generally... Mm. Um, we've all enjoyed it thoroughly, haven't yeah. we? I don't think yeah. we would. It's hard to just sing There's its praise. There's so many different elements to it, and I think as well when we were saying about like the author herself, that she's actually um, she she chose that time period because she wanted to pay tribute to stay-at-home mums, which I think is lovely. Uh-huh. Like, she, but also it's not just about the feminist element. It's she writes these wonderful characters from all different perspectives, and yeah, she doesn't fight just one cause. I just love like the little touches in the book, like where. Uh, Elizabeth would make a daughter a packed lunch and she would be putting like inspirational messages in there but she was very real she didn't pack any punches she didn't do anything like you know really kind of yeah she just told it like it was really yeah. um, don't sit next to so and so he's going to undermine you sorry. I've, I've written down like play sports at recess but do not automatically let the boys win was one of the messages and I just think like but wasn't Mads no. taking them out and hiding them. I'm pretty sure that's at well, the beginning of the book yeah, that Mads is embarrassed thing. by that, so she hides them. Very real, really, that if you, you know, we all know as parents, sometimes the advice you give is not always like listened to, it's not always, 
you know, they're always responding the same way to you as you want them to. And I think that's quite real of her. It's really maybe real. been a bit, I don't know, could she have been slightly embarrassed? Her mother was very different to the other mums in the playground, possibly. You well, know, Mads is very different was. as well, isn't she? And yeah, I think she, she is, sort of she? sends Mads to school to try and get her to be more normal. Yeah, but she's yeah. just not normal. She's yeah. never going to fit in that box the same way as Elizabeth doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see another book. I would like to see Mads hmm. take on the world. Such She's a great there. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And I think while the book was quite uplifting and inspirational, there were some very emotional parts yes. of it. I got really emotional at the end, I have mm. to say. Mm. I can't remember the end of the book, but there's something halfway <laughs> through the book that's yeah. there is some yeah. yeah. Although yeah, it is it is uplifting. There are tragic events, um, there are hard times that she goes through. Mm. And um, I was just thinking about, you were saying it was sort of to highlight um, American housewives and stuff. Um, Bonnie Garment was um, referencing The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan, which I'd never heard of before. Um, But this was a book that was put together and published in 1963 where Betty Friedan was talking to, I think she'd done a PhD, she was a bit of an Elizabeth Zott herself, she'd gone off and mm. achieved these things that weren't expected of women at that time. Um, and she was talking to women who weren't fulfilled. And mm. the feminine mystique is I'm referring to the sort of assumption that women are fulfilled by the role of wife and mother and she interviewed loads of women saying actually we want a bit more we want to be identified outside of that and I think that's something we can all identify Mm -hmm. with today still it's an overwhelming role being a wife and mum sometimes and we do fight still to have something outside just to be us, like us doing this podcast. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get to escape the house and everything. It's our little, <laughs> like, little <laughs> passion <laughs> project. It's a little passion project where we can drink wine, have a chat and eat nice food and support local and businesses. Actually and actually have a man cook for us, which oh, probably yeah. wouldn't have happened in the 60s, <laughs> but, you know. Oh, times have changed, <laughs> times have changed. It's an society, men and women can cook, yeah. So back to the wine. <laughs> How are we enjoying the wine? We're thoroughly enjoying the wine. It's very yeah, different it's really from nice. last, last week's yes. selection. Absolutely. It's, um, it's very golden it's coloured white wine. Um, and it doesn't taste like a typical wine. You describe the taste as quite salty. Yes, it's got. Which is, mm-hmm. I've never you, it's, anticipated it's, that. Yeah, it is unusual to have that kind of salty taste in a wine. Um, you typically could from sort of northern Portugal can maybe have a little bit of saltiness mm-hmm. to it this has got quite a mediterranean kind of feel to it and it's it's only nine and a half percent alcohol so it's quite light which is something i wouldn't normally pick i'm not gonna lie it's um, probably good for podcasting yes went to the head quite quickly it, last it, time the, the bubbles went to the head before <laughs> so this is very much a still wine um yeah, but it gives a very light kind of aperitif. It's almost like you want to sit somewhere in the sun oh, I do, yes. and it's just much sip like this. Yeah. Um, you don't need to have food with it, but obviously food and wine uh, yeah, has to be done. So, yeah, it's got a Mediterranean influence, a little bit salty, hints of like a bit of fruit like kiwi. So keeping on that kind of lighter note, it's very, it is very light, very easy to drink and actually a lot more easy to drink than I expected. 
it is organic and it's unfiltered so when you do get the bottle you'll notice I don't know why I'm picking up the bottle to show you because you can't see I can see there's but a there little is bit sediment of sediment the in the bottom at the bottom so you do need to be careful with that um, but they wanted to keep it as natural as possible so keeping that you know not filtering it and not adding anything is will a filter unfiltered wine give you a better or a worse hangover um, or is that not coming into it? I don't think it? it really... I think organic wine, you'll always have a bit less of a hangover because it's just more of a natural product. And I think whatever you eat or drink and consume that is more natural and organic is genuinely better for you anyway. So sitting here at the table in the happy place next door with a beautiful um, array of different breads in front of us and some food and Rick's just putting the finishing touches it smells amazing. to a lovely little so does. meal for us. So the smell of garlic is wafting over and it's absolutely fabulous. So we need like a smell-o-vision. We do need smell-o-vision. <laughs> come here and do private dining. Um, he was saying it was a couple just came in by themselves. Valentine's night. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I don't know. I think it's great. I love it for them. But Lovely like, for them. I think I'd rather... Just, I'm just going to laugh I'd rather just bring my A little friends. bit of jealousy going on there. But it's a great big, it's a great big room. There's beautiful light fittings coming down from a really high ceiling. There's beautiful big windows with nice Mediterranean shutters on them. And there's lovely little tiled bits and just lovely nice little touches. We'll put some photos up. You but can almost just be really, anywhere. Yeah, you could like, be anywhere. Yeah. In a world away from rainy Darlington on a Tuesday evening. And it's really cosy and it would just be a wonderful place to come for a birthday meal, something like I that. I mean it is my fortieth coming up. So. <laughs> hint, hint. hint hint. Maybe. And we actually um, came here for my daughter's birthday to make pasta, which was brilliant. Yes, and they do pasta classes yeah, upstairs. pasta making classes, so we actually learned a lot how actually easy it is to make pasta. Well, I say but easy. But not easy. <laughs> they make it look easy. easy. <laughs> but, yeah, wonderful to know how to do it, and um, yeah, we had a great time. So, yeah, it's a perfect venue. Rick's just putting the finishing touches and doing a... Photograph. I, can, I think we can spice some uh, caviar going on there. Some caviar, mm -hmm. and as... Yeah, there's a little bit of fish, there's lemon. It smells amazing, it does smell like and I do think, it's going to go yeah, wonderfully with the wine. I'm it's just like a Mediterranean that, that treat. saltiness in the wine. I think for me, the main draw for this wine is the saltiness. I actually yeah. love it for that I reason. I think it's really different. It's not something I've ever noticed in mm -hmm. a taste mm -hmm. of a wine before. Here we are. Here's Rick, and tell us what he has. So we have a squidink cheekly pasta with wild rocket pesto, pistachio, seared salmon, lemon zest, and caviar. That's absolutely fabulous. What a feast with the eyes as well. Um, you've tried to pair this lovely meal with the wine, kind of without tasting the wine in advance. Yeah, so I got the description through, um, and I just kind of went from that, really. So a last minute decision from a broccoli walnut pesto to a rocket pesto so it's nice and bitter the idea mm. that would kind of cut through the saltiness of that wine mm. it really does um, yeah, it really pistachio does. just added a little bit of sweetness in there too 
It almost, if you're eating a little bit of the pasta and having a little sip of the wine, the wine in comparison feels a bit sweeter because it's sort of, you know, just the juxtaposition of it. It's yeah, really it's, nice. it's amazing how wine and food work together. It's, it's, it's a great pair and you can't have one without the other sometimes. Well, absolutely. That's what we're all about. Yeah. Wine and food. And I think with the book being lessons in chemistry, I think that comes into it as well. There is like a chemical... A chemical yeah. sort of balance between mm-hmm. above. We had thought about possibly doing um, a cocktail that involved some kind of chemistry element, mm-hmm. um, but we bottled it. <laughs> well, literally we were looking at um, like an egg white. Um, yeah. I'm glad we did bottle it because I think this is perfect. Well, yeah. we're all about the wine, aren't we? And this is, this is an absolute treat. It really is something special. So there's definitely a lot of summer flavours going on there. Mm. It's, it's cold and dark. It's, it doesn't feel like it's cold and dark in here, does it, with Californian wine and the lemon zest zinging through there, it's beautiful. So will this dish be going on next door? Silence while we all munch away. Oh, it's so good. It feels like we should be sitting outside. It feels like a beautiful taverna in Italy, yeah. Taverna in Italy? Would you get a Taverna in Italy? Would you get a Taverna in Italy? Italy? (laughs) (laughs) Is that a French thing? Greek, Greek, okay. Alright, we'll go to Greece. Anywhere, anywhere. Anywhere, as long as it's outside, it's sunny. Yeah. Yeah. And you can smell the sea. I feel like we need the smell of the sea. And the sun going down behind the trees. Mm. Oh, yes. Maybe we should be in California by the beach, though. Well, you know, we could, um, for location-wise, we could take it not local. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about our book choice for next month. So the title is Cleopatra and Frankenstein by Coco Mellers. Cassie, what tell us about name, it. Ruth? Coco <laughs> Mellers. <laughs> yeah, Ruth seems to think the name sounds a bit like Coco Mellons, but it isn't. It's actually Coco Mellers. But yeah, it's um, basically, um, I've picked this up because the cover is so lovely. It's like got a beautiful piece of art on the front of it. And it's also Waterstone's Book of the Month. And it's contemporary romance and is also really um, getting people reading on TikTok and Instagram at the moment. Um, it's just one of those that's been all over um, and it's basically about some very bohemian characters who meet up in an unlikely situation and it's kind of just, um, yeah, kind of following their their kind of encounters together. And They're very different people, but it's just um, how they're impulsively drawn to each other and what, happen- what occurs really. And it's a backdrop of, it's set in a backdrop of New York, which is all very exciting. And they're at a different party every night. Please buy it and it's Waterstone's yeah. Book of the Month. So I think that's all you need to so know. That's it. Pick yourself up a copy and get reading. And yeah, I just thought I'd pick this one. It's um, set in New York, which is always um, a very exciting place for books to set. And it's, um... <laughs> what do I keep saying? That's how New York's exciting.
I try to keep something simple. What three lines do I need to say about this book? It's a contemporary romance and it's Waterstone's Book of the Month. And it's got a lovely artistic cover and it's something a bit different and it's described as the hottest book of the year. Done. Mic drop. Wines would like to thank the Happy Place Next Door Darlington for kindly hosting this episode. Thanks also to Bonnie Garnus, Penguin Random House, a music credit goes to Vitaly Levkin, Lemon Music Studio, Pixabay. Thank you for listening to Reading Between the Wines podcast. For more information, please visit readingbetweenthewines.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Join in the discussion in our private Facebook group, Reading Between the Wines podcast, or join us on Instagram at Reading Between the Wines 2023. Please make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast provider.